0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: You're listening to Winds Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, And Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Winds Above Fantasy, episode 78, November 3rd. Steve, uh, I'm out in Arizona, but unfortunately, it is not for first pitch. I am uh, desperately close, but out here on a work trip and got to get back for another commitment. Uh, So we're way far away from each other right now, but got a great show lined up talking about a little uh, Halloween theme trick-or-treat was it legit in 2022 love the topic steve love to be uh connecting with you and talking about baseball and not uh caterpillar machinery out here on this work trip how's it going man yeah
2: it's good man um i know we texted you know just talking topics and figuring out logistics since you're you know a, a further time zone away and it being the offseason and whatnot, but I, I really meant to give you a much harder time for you not, being in Arizona during mm-hmm. first pitch and not going to first pitch or just catching a fall league game, whatever, you know, go see your boy Jordan Walker, who's hitting a home run like seemingly every night now. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to I'm not going to let you live this one down, but, uh, you know, understand that uh, life gets in the way sometimes especially when we have to uh scramble to record a podcast here
1: listen it's unforgivable um i'm i'm 2 <laughs> hours away from where most of the action is okay, happening okay so I, you're I, not
2: like you're not that close it's still yeah
1: yeah, I'm not right there. It's like and, you're in uh, Scottsdale
2: or anything like that or, or exactly. close to I, surprise or wherever, you know.
1: I did look up uh Tucson who I, I know formerly had a team. I it was kind of a tough Google, but there were no games scheduled here, which I, I would have been all over, but anyway, yeah, um you know, we're struggling through this mountain time time zone. I don't know why they're sometimes like three hours behind you, sometimes two hours, but yeah, we're doing like the thing. Damings, yeah, yeah.
2: It's hard enough yeah. to get on the same schedule when, you know, I'm normally Eastern and you're Central, you know. I, know, I, could, I always know the time in <laughs> St. Louis because we record a podcast together. But, yeah, another time zone. It's a real uh, – it's a curveball, uh, pun
1: intended. It is. And we're going to be talking curveballs today, Steve. That was my bad segue. Uh, <laughs> but we, we've got a, a fun show topic. When you threw it out, I was a big fan of leaning into the Halloween season with a little trick-or-treat. To basically say, uh, of these high performing uh, players, whether they were breakouts or just kind of did what we were hoping they would, is it legit and it, it, is it a, a treat for 2023 or are we running a risk that it was a trick? So a lot of fun. Love the episode. Love having the listeners here with us every, every uh, two weeks. Up until February after the Super Bowl, you guys can find us on here, of course. Follow us on Wins Above Pod. I'm at van underscore verified. Steve is at stav 8818. But housekeeping aside, Steve, I'm interested to hear your take on the topic. This is still very early in the offseason where we're kind of formulating opinions, so I think it's a good one.
2: Yeah, these are always, I don't know about you, but these are always the toughest players for me to gauge. Whether it's one good year, one bad year, maybe maybe the bad year is a little bit, you know, you could find a narrative and and reasons as to why someone's underperforming. Like someone today asked in the Discord about Trevor Story, and I forget who it was, but they put out a tweet, like, just about what Trevor Story went through last year. Just a new team, uh, got hit by a pitch, um, I think was like super sick or something else happened early in the season. Uh, and then got hit in the head, uh, had another injury. So, like, everything that could go wrong. Like, so you could easily talk yourself, oh, like, obviously Story was horrible last year. All these things happened. But for guys that we talk about that are, like, pop up or have career years, it's like, all right, did they, especially when the underlying skills don't change that much. Like, is this all luck? Is there something that actually changed? It, it, it's it's the hardest profile or you know quote unquote breakout for me to gauge each year. So I'm glad yep. we're tackling this as like our first true off-season player analysis, you know. Uh,
1: another thing I like about it Steve is the it feels like, you know, fast forward from now till February when we're in the throes of all the industry draft trends and everybody's got kind of their their flag plant sleepers and all that stuff. The names here, I think with the exception of two or three are kind of names that you might get faced with in a draft room, and they're the ones that you kind of look at twice, and you're like, ooh, do I have a strong opinion one way or another on this guy? Like, they're not all, you know, screaming breakout mm-hmm. or screaming bust. They're ones that, like, you kind of conveniently ignore because you don't know what to make of it, you know? that's,
2: that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, you sometimes just pass them over because you don't know what to do with them, and, you know... Uh, you like 2 years ago or whatever you know even even in season like Brandon Drury like I just passed over cuz like even if he had a hot week it's like oh that's Brandon Drury but I didn't even give it a second thought right like to, yep. to pick it up and and get that great year like a guy that we'll talk about in a little bit so uh, I'm excited to get into it and break down some names
1: well let's do it and I I, I want to start out with one that <laughs> Of course, after we say that, this is a name that's going to be talked about a lot and for good reason. And it's Nathaniel Lowe, who is also going to have a little bit of tax on him. So in our pitchless uh, 12-team mock draft that we did, kind of our two early mock, uh, Lowe went at, let's see, it was middle of the sixth round. So that was basically pick sixty-six. Which, again, last year at this time, you would have been like, what? He's going there? But Nathaniel Lowe is a guy that, to your earlier point on did they make some changes, we saw a different Nathaniel Lowe last year. He batted 302, 27 homers, solid counting stats with the, the 150 runs plus RBIs combined. Uh, you know, when you can get nearly 30 homer power with a three hundred average, and we've talked about how first base can kind of be sneaky shallow this year, Nathaniel Lowe is definitely one that you're going to have to have an opinion because if you do want him it's it's popping up in like the 6th round in that range. So talk to me about Nathaniel Lowe, Steve, and let's let's try to wait, work our way toward the Halloween trick or treat analysis here.
2: Yeah, uh, and we talked about it I think on on the on the show about the mock draft last week. Nate Lowe's like kind of like a parachute first baseman, right? Like we had that, I don't know if we stole that term from somewhere or like, you know, you see like That's all right, these top right. first basemen go and then it's like, Oh crap, I got to grab a first baseman and Nate Lowe's there. Um, I don't know if he was after, like before Jose Abreu, maybe right in the same range where he goes and people are panicking. He, yeah, he went base. He went
1: two rounds earlier. So you're two right, Two rounds Steve. earlier. Like, Matt Olson yeah. went middle of the third and then after Nathaniel So he's Nathaniel the next one. Lowe, yep. Yes, he's and then the after him base. there was two rounds later in, in mm-hmm. round nine. So you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, but continue.
2: But, you know, uh, there's been a lot to like about Nate Lowe, specifically his barrel rate throughout his career. It's His lowest was last year at 9.5, which is still – pretty good. Uh, this year was up at uh, 9.9%, which is a 68 percentile uh, bow rate. So not bad, but, you know, he paired that with uh, an 89 percentile max exit velocity, 75th percentile hard hit percentage, and it's going to lead to the good numbers that you see this year. Mm-hmm. What changed or, you know, what, what you would, I think, look at to say, hey, this is a, a treat, not a trick is the launch angle. That was a problem in 2021. He had a five-degree launch angle. Um, so despite him hitting the ball hard last year, there just wasn't a translation to power. And I think he had, what, like, uh, ch- ch- he had 18 home runs and a two sixty four average. So for first base, very middling. Bumped that up to the 9.8% of this this year, or, or uh, sorry, 8.2% of this this year that leads to a 27 homer, you know, 302 average sort of uh, a breakout there. Um, and, and it's backed up a bit, too. The XBA was 275, so sure, that might be a little lucky, uh, but it doesn't scream that, oh, this guy should hit, like, 250. You'd easily still take Nate Low yes. season if he hit 275, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's... When I'm looking at the the broader landscape for first baseman, it seems like, you know, you're going to be able to get the power, right? Like if you wait, you're going to get a Rowdy Telez, who you know should be like a true 30, 35 homer guy. The trade off is the average is plummeting. So even if Low does round out as like a true 270, 75 guy, that's a big difference if he's 30 homer pop. Um, and to to echo your point on the launch angle, which still you'd like to see that come up a little bit, but it's all telling a cohesive story where the, the ground ball rate dropped off from 54.5% to 48%, traded all that out for line drives, which is going to help the, of course, help, help the launch angle there. But then when you look at his run value against pitch types, the slider, he had a positive 14 run value in 2022, and in 2021 it was just a 4. So he raised that significantly, what that means for actual numbers, is he batted two nineteen against sliders in twenty twenty one? Batted three thirty against sliders last year. And so it's a, like, it's a
2: slider league. So if you're going to make an improvement on a pitch, that's a, a great one to do it on, right? Yeah,
1: and it's one where you know that they're hanging in the zone. You can kind of you know golf ball those, or at least do some some line drives that'll help the batting average. So overall, I mean, it's really tough to quantify like the draft day, like what round and how soon is too soon. But I think we're kind of leaning toward this being uh, a treat.
2: Yeah, and I think it's an okay move to make. Hey, if you miss out on that Olson tier. like, uh, uh, you know, is for you? I know they went two rounds separate in a two round difference in, in the mock draft. But Abreu or Nate Lowe? Uh, I know Abreu still is a free agent, and who knows where he's going to be and is older. But who who are you going with there?
1: Yeah, I mean that the lineup context will be. Interesting there, for Abreu, I think it's like the fact that he only had 15 homers across 157 games. I think like the average discrepancy. Like if Abreu is a 290 guy and Low is a 275 guy, I think I gotta lean Low. so, so I'm okay with that. Now, whether that's a, a two round jump, who's to say? But Low, you know, Abreu, you have to factor in to some extent that he's gonna be 36. So it's like. Yeah, I, I think I'm liking the 27-year-old low yep, on prior, that one, pow, Steve.
2: Uh, you know, power peaks at that age. I'm, I'm with you.
1: Yep. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about um, you know a, another first baseman. It'll be interesting to put that in context. But the next one I wanted to, to hit on, who's another name that we've talked about a little bit, I promise we'll get to the ones that are a little bit more uh, under the radar. But Dansby Swanson is definitely one that I could see – kind of falling to a point where a lot of managers are like, oh, man, I have to take him here, right? Because he had a phenomenal season, but there's a little bit of skepticism, which is why we're putting him under the microscope here. So Swanson, in case you missed it, fantastic year. Batted 277, 25 homers, 18 steals for the power-speed combo there. Pretty much 100 runs, 100 RBIs. So right out of the gate, I think we were talking about him as a top 25-by-5 guy in terms of how they finished last year. But in our PL mock, Swanson went 81, so a huge discount there. I know there's a little uncertainty on where he'll end up, but it's worth the analysis, Steve, because some of the numbers under the radar are calling into question. So you got the the 277 batting average, but the XBA beneath that was a 257, so a big 20-point drop there in terms of the plate skills we didn't really see any crazy improvement in fact the dude, k's actually went up slightly the dude, walks also like went looking down at slightly. his
2: numbers sorry to interrupt but like yeah yeah for the last since basically 2018 like it's the it's eerily similar every it's the same guy. year or sorry 2019 when he bumped the barrel rate up to to 10% it's the yeah. same thing Every single year. It's scary how uh, similar all of his numbers are. It is. He's the same
1: guy. And yeah, yeah, like if you want to look at the good stuff for Swanson, it was the best launch angle of his career by a little bit. The hard hit rate went up 3.6%, which is not insignificant. But the biggest thing, which is a volatile thing, is that he attempted 25 steals last year and got caught stealing seven times. So 25 steals he attempted this past year in 2021 that number was cut in half at just 12 attempted steals. Contract so year at- he
2: was going he was going as much as he could and yeah. once he signs a new deal he is not going to be going as much. I think you can pencil in for basically what he was from 2019 to 2022. You know 25 homers, 250 to 270, uh, uh-huh. 75.
1: Seven to and ten seven steals. Seven to ten steals. But hey, no, yep. you
2: know, the, the bases are getting bigger. Maybe he he, That's true. he could make that more like a 12 to 15. So I still don't think it's a trick uh, to, to put it in a player a little game. But uh-huh. I think that was the peak Dansby Swanson year. But I still think he's a really good shortstop for fantasy.
1: So it's at least baked in on our too early mock here where he went 81st overall. So let's just play the game real quick because, uh, let's see, after Swanson, huge three-round gap until Carlos Correa went, but O'Neal Cruz and Wander Franco went right next to Swanson. Does this overall feel like kind of the right range, Steve, in terms of position?
2: It it does. I mean, Correa is like a better hitter and just a Mm real-life player, but he just doesn't steal bases, and sometimes it seems like he's, you know, it would be impossible for Gray to hit more than like 25 homers, despite at how good of a hitter he actually is. Whatever. He's a much better real life player than fantasy Correa is. So uh, I think there just might be a tax on Swanson because of the steals that I don't think will be there
1: next year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, as long as as long as the discount is baked in, we got to see where he ends up, right? Cause yeah, I think for sure. The if counting he, stats are. such a If he signs thing back
2: with him. the Braves, like the the cost might go up just because lineup contacts. He's going to lead off for one of the best lineups in the league. It's yep. comfortable there. You know, it's a good ballpark to hit. So,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's keep moving. You mentioned Brandon Drury, Steve. So, take the floor here. But Drury, obviously. Uh, I mean, he was kind of a—certainly a a first-half all-star, but pretty much a breakout uh, throughout the whole year when you look at the final line. 28 homers, batted two sixty three, good counting stats, and at a a tough, shallow position again. So talk to me about Drury, what you're thinking. I totally agree when you threw his name on the rundown. This is going to be one that is kind of a head-scratcher on what to make of.
2: He had by far the best rate of his career— Uh, the highest max EV since his age 23 season in 2016 uh, had the best walk rate at at 6.7% since 2018 which was just uh, you know uh, a a limited number of of plate appearances here uh, Mm -hmm. and just 86 plate appearances in 2018 so there's a lot under the hood that show that's legit. It's definitely easy to write off, oh, hey, you know, it was his age 30 season, uh, sort of out of nowhere, and you know, uh, easy to sort of gloss over, but I mean, a 10.4% power rate uh, after he, you know, barely clipped nine one year in 2019. uh, And, you know, I, I don't think that he's this 260, 260 800 ops guy but i think he might be sort of what the 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 X stats saying like a 240 420 slug uh, you know maybe a 750 ops which is a fine corner um, it, it just might be depending on cost yeah, I buy him as a useful corner infielder. I guess is a, 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 my long winded way of saying that. Uh, I I wouldn't just write him off. Like I think Brendan Jury is a a useful useful depth piece. Maybe not in a twelve teamer, but in a fifteen teamer for sure.
1: Yeah, and again, I think you're seeing the the discount here. If if it reflects our mock draft, he went 151 overall. Mm-hmm. Which in a 12 team was, let's see what round, third middle of the 13th round. So you' not you're not being asked to sign up for what he did last season overall, which is probably correct because he had a, he had a pretty rough second half. And I know we always talk about the pressing. Mm-hmm. There is clearly some weird stuff going on at the Padres in general. But, yeah, first half with the Reds, an 864 True. OPS. And then the second half with the Padres, a 725 OPS. So a massive slide there. Maybe but maybe,
2: maybe a cheap way of doing it is to sort of cut the difference. I know Cincinnati's yeah. an amazing place to hit. Uh, San mm-hmm. Diego is not. And basically everyone that went there besides Manny Machado this year really couldn't hit. I mean, even Juan Soto wasn't Juan Soto in San Diego. I think Josh Bell hit like under 200 from the trade when he had a great first half. So, um maybe not knock him as much as you you would think for for that second half in San Diego. I'm assuming he's a he's a free agent uh this yes. year. Yes, he, he is. is. So, again, I guess we'll have to see where uh where where uh he ends up, but could be an interesting name for sure. Um, for a team to take flower on him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think as long as you're signing up for, you know, 20, I mean, uh, assume he has the playing time, 20, 25 homers. Yeah, that might be on the high end. 800 OPS. Yeah. 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 I mean, he went on the binge, 18 in the first half. I guess that was with Cincinnati. So yeah. yeah, it's it's tough. But, um, okay, so I think that one is a, a trick overall I think, yes, final verdict
2: line. trick for, for him. Trick, yes.
1: Okay talk about a a first baseman and Christian Walker, Steve. So we've talked about Drury eligible, uh, Nate Lowe. Christian Walker is just kind of this uh, oatmeal graduation because I think he's going to be kind of a sleeper name, kind of like we saw with C.J. Krohn a couple years back. Walker, man, uh, 242 average, 36 bombs, couple couple steals for good measure and 84 runs, 94 RBI, even with Arizona. So there's a lot to like with Walker. I think, uh, you know, beneath the hood, when you look at the barrel rate at 11.5%, pretty much doubled from what he did the year before. The XBA on top of that 242 average was a 257. So now you're looking at a guy who potentially could even contribute an average if things fall his way, who's a 35 homer bopper hitting right in the, the heart of an order. What are your thoughts on Christian Walker here, Steve? I think there's uh, some optimism. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is an easy treat for me,
2: um, especially after you know being so in on him early last season and being hesitant to pick him up in a lot of leagues when I should have just listened to my own advice. But you know, we talked about how the batted ball metrics in the first half, uh, despite him having uh, some good power numbers, uh, that he was getting unlucky, especially with balls in play. Uh, he had just a 2.04 average in the first half, but in the second half he had 2.85. So wow. he had 14 homers in, you know, uh, f- like 80 less plate appearances. Um, 73 less plate
1: appearances. It's like a league uh, winning uh, second half. There. Yeah, he
2: still had 14 homers compared to the 22 in, in the first half, so the pace was, was right on there. Um, maybe not exactly with the power, but pretty damn close. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that's just a, a monster second half, and I think that's sort of more of what he was – it made up for what he, he deserved, right? Like it, it kind of split the difference. And I, I just think Walker has a, a, a great profile. There, there was clearly something going on that he fixed mechanically from 2020 and 2021 when he had just that 6.4% power rate. And then it was back in line with 2018-2019 when he was this, you know, useful fantasy power asset from from first base. From first base, like he had, you know, twenty nine homers in in, uh, in twenty nineteen, and was sort of this this popular breakout pick. Uh, yeah, and, and didn't really follow through in the shortened season and in twenty twenty one, but this year it, it all sort of came together. And, you know, he, on top of that, he had the best, you know, plate skills-wise, plate discipline numbers of his career. He struck out under 20% of the time, walked over 10% of the time. Like, if he had any batted ball luck in the first half, like, this is, like, the top, like, everyone's, like, league-winning first baseman, right? You know, uh, that's how good Brandon Drury was, and I don't see a reason why he can't uh, can't Christian Walker, Christian Walker. Yeah, yep. oh, sorry, Christian Walker. Yes, sorry. No, you're good. You're good.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I, I mean I'm backing everything you're saying, Steve. I love the plate discipline. And I think there could be I mean, this is a little uh speculation, but hear me out. Twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, the hard hit rate was around forty nine percent, which is markedly higher than it was in twenty twenty one and this past year. So there might even be room for improvement, especially when you consider that in twenty one He dealt with an oblique issue where he went on the I.L. more than once. And I'm wondering if last year was just pretty much like a get right season where he stayed healthy. One thing that really jumps off is basically the the changes against fastballs. So in 2021, uh, uh, Walker batted 194 with a 349 slug against fastballs and last year batted 253. So up sixty points there with a five eighty four slug compared to that three forty nine. So crushing fastballs, uh, you know, a full healthy season. And yeah, like you said, I mean if it's if it's something where his average can even come up a little bit, man, this is an absolute steal. And in our in our draft, uh let's see, he went 120 overall. So that was after a guy like CJ Crone, where I'm kind of thinking Maybe this is the new C.J. Krohn, and we shouldn't be taking him after. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh,
2: I, I totally agree. Um, I, I'd much rather have uh, Christian Walker um, than C.J. Krohn, despite uh, that course Field bump. Um, you know, we saw maybe, maybe that's some recency bias with how bad Krohn was in the second half. He did start out on fire. Who knows? Maybe there was some, some injury or something bothering him that uh, was going on there, but... I think cost inclusive and just looking at like the underlying metrics like Christian Walker is uh you know uh, his, his stat cast page is is bright red um just all around the board. So uh I I like Walker a lot and think he could be a great value uh in
1: twenty twenty three. It's a treat. Uh the the verdict is in. So on to the next hitter and our final hitter it's it's one we've mentioned steve but i think it's also one that uh, again will be kind of a tough one to make sense of and it's andres jimenez with the guardians uh who had a great season batted 297 i love the 371 op obp and even a 466 slug translated on the back of the baseball card 17 homers 20 steals Offering the speed there. It's the counting stats that really kind of held his his overall rank down. Just 66 runs, 69 RBIs, because he was kind of just stuck in the, the middle part of that Guardian's order. I'm shocked that he didn't move up with his speed and, and his ability to get on base, but maybe that's where some upside is. However, you got to pay for the speed. As we all know, he went 90th in our mock draft. Mm-hmm. So this is one where uh i'm really curious steve I, I don't have my mind made up but i think there's enough to be excited about i just don't know how that translates to you know when you're going to kind of hit your seventh eighth round draft pick to somebody
2: yeah i i, I it, it's a tough one these are these are tough profiles to to gauge whenever it's propped up by the Steels, kind of like swanson is this year um it's hard to be like, all right, am I just paying for, like, an empty steals guy? Is this just, like, look nice because he had 17 homers and 20 steals? Uh, what do I do here? <sighs> that being said, I think I'm going to lean more treat on this one. Um, the, the plate skills are, 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 are good and good enough. He improved on the, the strikeout rate this year, upped his walk rate a little bit. Um. So sure, yeah. A lot of that OBP is in that 297 average, but he seems like a guy that has a, a, a good hit tool, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna bottom out and go back to that, you know, uh, 218 average that he struggled with um, in 2021, his first year with Cleveland. Um, you saw it with the Mets uh, when he first came up; he had 263 in that shortened season and looked. You know, you saw you saw the upside with with that hit tool and some and some decent pop, and he got eight steals that year in just fifty games. So um, this was kind of like the proration of that first year with the Mets, maybe with a little more power than you could you could have even expected. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, at, at age twenty four, he's kind of growing into that. Has a decent max exit velocity, six, 61st percentile. Right, he's at that uh 109 which is that's more than enough raw power right for sure to to back up those those 18 homers or 17 homers that he had so um i think this is a good one to to pay up for i i know that you could kind of poke some holes and see that the the average exit helo and the hard hit percentage isn't great and neither is the barrel rate but i don't think you're gonna get that from from this like just profile of a guy right like if you're just looking at that with at the yeah 5 baseman i don't think you're going it's kind of like fitting a square peg in a round hole with with that uh profile so 15 homers 20 steals with like a 270 average is kind of like a floor uh, i like it yeah
1: yeah i think the steals are legit if, if you look kind of just simply at his games played throughout his career mm-hmm. with his stolen bases. It's pretty much all tracked consistently to be a 20-plus 20, 20 steals guy. He's super efficient on the base paths. Again, I think there is uh, some room for him to slide up in the order. It's the it's the pop where I don't know that I'm buying that he's like 17-homer type of, of guy, but I think if you are looking at him next to a Tommy Edmond, for example, which might be a popular uh-huh. comparison. I, I think it's reasonable that there's a little bit more pop, fifteen homers, maybe up to twenty-five steals, probably around a two seventy-five average. Um and yeah, I mean I, I I think that at this at this spot in the draft, that's that's kind of a good way to go. It's just the the one thing that worries me a little bit is there is a lot of whiff in his game to only have a 20% uh, strikeout rate. So I wonder if that might have a little bit of regression and pull down uh, the average. But I think if you bake that in and don't count on him being a 300 hitter, um, I like it. I don't think I'm going to be necessarily targeting Jimenez, but if my drafts are shaking out to where I really need speed and that's obviously a positional need, I don't think I'm going to run away from it, you know?
2: Yeah, and this is kind of like dumbing down the analysis here, but like, How many guys that have 20 steals had an 837 OPS and a 140 WRC plus, right? Like, when you look at, like, your 20-plus steal guys, like, a lot of the times you're talking about, like, okay, is this guy going to be able to hit enough to, like, keep his everyday job and, like, have an OPS over 650, right? Like, he had an Mm -hmm. 837 OPS last year. That's pretty rare from, like, your speed first guys, which kind of what... um, Jimenez might be, but I think he's a better hitter than most, so uh I, I think I might be targeting him a bit next year
1: okay, so potential target i mean well you know that also is a good it's a good pitching spot of the draft as well sure, sure. you know I know that I don't have to convince you on that but yes yeah that overall though I think uh we're at least in the middle, if not uh calling it a treat with Jimenez. Uh, so that, that kind of rounds out the hitter side of this, Steve. And we got a, a nice slate of five pitchers we're going to get into as well. But first, we're going to take a quick ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, Steve. I'm dying to talk about uh, a player who has basically been a, a bit of a, a gamer cheat in my home league for the manager who's always winning. And it's from <laughs> Valdez, who... He just continues to have kind of this Astros devil magic, if I can say that as mm-hmm. a Cardinals fan. Sure. And I'll uh, allow it. you know, it throughout the playoffs and just in general, he seems to always overperform his his underlying metrics. And at some point you kinda gotta scratch your head and be like, this, this seems like it is legit and potentially undervalued. So Fromber, just to, to rattle off the stats, seventeen and six record. Plenty of wins there with the Astros, which I know is one of your your lessons learned, Steve, and I agree that we need to we need to look for some wins where we can find them. 200 innings pitched, 194 K's, a 282 ERA, and a 116 whip. So a phenomenal year for Valdez. I think what probably jumps out first for us is that the K rate isn't as high as some of the names that he's being drafted around. Um and then, like I said, the, the underlying stuff, you know, a, a 331 XERA, so, you know, about a half a run higher than his actual stats. Um, but, yeah, a lot we can break down here. I've got my thoughts, but I want to open it up, see what, see what you're thinking on, on Fromber.
2: Yeah, Fromber's, like, always an auto-avoid for me, just because he doesn't get the Ks. Like, I'm I'm a sucker for that. And it's definitely a blind spot in, in my process for looking at pitchers. I mean— Twenty twenty one, he had a seventy percent ground ball rate. Last year, he had a sixty seven point four percent ground ball rate. So, like, you are not going to do any damage when basically everything that it's just insane. Like, uh, you know, to if you add in what pop ups were this year, that was at two
1: point four five percent. Like. Dude, seventy percent of
2: the, the balls, of let me jump. Are ground
1: in. balls or pop ups? What? Let <laughs> me jump in here because I was already marveling at that, and then I, I jumped over to FanGraphs and was looking at like batted ball leaderboards. The the first one they show is the ground ball to fly ball rate, which uh-huh. is kind of a weird stat, but yep. Fromber is number one in the league with a ground ball to fly ball rate of four point one six, which doesn't mean a ton for the average listener, but the second place guy. Beneath Fromber's four point one six was Logan Webb at two point three eight. So he is almost double twice as good as any <laughs> other leader when it comes to getting grounders over fly balls. And I was just like, Holy smokes, man, you like add that in with the fact that he's top twenty five at like soft contact. Mm-hmm. Like it it just starts to make sense. And, and he bumped he up the
2: can- K rate too, to to twenty three and a half percent. So like if that happens then,
1: it's not nothing, yeah. you know, like yeah. like with the volume cuz you don't you need a 30% strikeouts.
2: strikeout rate when you're getting 70% ground balls, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, like the, the his sinker velo climbed from 92 5 up to 94. Um the curveball itself is a really good whiff pitch, so I think he's just really found his groove as a pitcher now whether or not, you know, that'll get adjustments, who's to say, but overall looking at our draft, the fact that he went pick 101. So I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure that was probably like SP 20, something like that. Yeah, maybe maybe um, further.
2: There were some pitcher runs in there. But, yeah, I, and, and also the fact that he doesn't have to rely on the strikeout. He's able to go longer in games. I mean, he was one of, what, three or four guys that had 200 innings this year. So um, I, I know that was a career high, and he – what just 134 the year before but i i don't see why he can't do something similar with this with this profile again next year so i think it's a i think it's a treat for sure i, I think you might be on the same page there
1: Yep, yeah, for sure and he uh yeah it looks like more like sp beyond 30 so you're right he was kind of wedged in between robbie ray and tristan mckenzie um but, yeah, uh, overall, I think this is just a really reliable guy that you can kind of count on some volume and wins, which I know we we talked about, like, we're, we're not always looking at that. We're looking at, you know, the stuff, and we're looking at
2: different. And, know, I mean, different- hey, if you want to do, like, a, a sexy high strikeout upside guy, like a Hunter Green, like, SP3, mm-hmm. like, this is a great SP2, you know. To grab to pair him with because it's just so reliable and a a solid profile. To you know, you can make up with K's and in those you know sexier picks, right?
1: Yeah, or or like uh, we were talking about Cease and Strider last episode. Like it could be a good follow up there. But yeah, I'm with you. I like it. And let's keep rolling, Steve. To another guy with honestly kind of a similar profile. He gets a lot of wins. Um, The the strikeouts are lackluster, but Tyler Anderson had a fascinating year here with a 15 and five record 178 innings so the volume was there but the K's quite a bit down at 138 the ratios were pristine a 257 era with a one whip um thoughts on tyler anderson he, he's another one that you know you're, you're not going to have to to pay up nearly as much but kind of a similar mold here in that he's not going to strike out the side so he kind of falls off our radar a little bit, but what are your thoughts on on Anderson?
2: Yeah, this one this one's harder for me to buy into. Um, I know he's a free agent this year, so that's going to play a big factor in mm-hmm. in his valuation. Um, and with this, you know, it's it's easier to to write off a twenty three percent strikeout rate, which is better than um, Anderson's nineteen point five percent. Comparing him to to Fromber. Um, when Fromber has a, a 60 to 70% ground ball rate, and Anderson's just at 40%. Uh, it was one of the better ones and better than the last two years, but it, it, it's still, I'm finding it harder to look at say, oh, this is why Anderson was successful, right? There's nothing that jumps off the page to me other than you know, maybe a a, a two fifty six BABIP and the the highest left on base percentage of his career. Um, you know that that he was a bit fortunate. I know still the xERA and FIP are still in like the mid to low threes, but the xFIP was at four eleven, uh, the Sierra was at four hundred four. So I I think it might be more of a high three Um with. Not that many strikeouts. Uh, it, it's harder for me to buy in on, on what Anderson just did, uh, despite the unbelievable surface numbers and great year that he had.
1: So I, I hate that Anderson is a free agent because right away that, you know, that's going to sap uh-huh. the, the win total for sure. However, I might let me let me attempt to convince a little bit here, sure. Steve, because. He went in the 20th round in our mock draft, which is, you know, at that point, you're looking at free in a 12 team
2: league. That's free. Yeah.
1: And unfortunately, that's also a spot where you are looking for the stuff type of pitchers that could. Yeah, that could explode. But here are some things that that I do like about Anderson. He is a, a top 10 in the league fly ball pitcher, which is scary. But he is 98th percentile on hard hits, which I know isn't you know a metric that's completely controlled uh, all the time by pitchers. I know we talk about that that's one that's that's influenced by hitters more often than not. But the fact that he's he's fifth in the league in soft contact that that to me points back to that 6.4% home run to fly ball rate. He his best pitch is a changeup and he threw it 7% of the, or 7 more percent of the time last year up to like 32%. So I just think that there's like the XBA against was two twenty five. Like I think that he has a little bit of like deception, and yeah, he's got ninety fourth percentile chase the
2: rate um, last year, ninety fifth this year. So there, there's definitely some deception there for sure.
1: And, and that's where like the the XERA is at like a three ten. I get that he is he is never going to be um, you know the strikeout guy with this current pitch mix and everything. And if he ends up in a A hitter friendly ballpark as his home field, I I don't want to touch this because of the fly ball rate. But that late in the draft, if I've got a ton of volatility throughout my staff, it might not, like, I I could see where maybe he could sneak into this, like, Kyle Hendricks type of uh, stabilizer for a rotation. So I'm not completely out, but I get that it's an unfortunate thing that, like, at that spot of the draft, you Mm -hmm. usually don't want, like, a glue guy. Um, so I, I hear you on all the concerns. I just thought it was interesting that you know the, the combination of him being such a fly ball pitcher with such a you know, an ability to, to induce soft contact, it seems.
2: Yeah, despite the low K rate, all of the hard hit metrics and batted ball metrics are really good. Paired with a good chase rate, that's telling me that hitters are not swinging and, and hitting the pitches that they want to hit that there's some deception there, that he's getting his swings that he wants and hitters aren't getting off their swings if that's make any sense when when looking mm-hmm. at his, his slider profile. So um, that's a that's a good way to pitch it there. I, I I like it. Yeah.
1: So closing closing note on the the soft contact is he was number five in the majors and then the names that top ten list is Chris Bassett, Sandy Alcantara, Julio Arias, Justin Verlander, Tyler Anderson, Shohei Otani, Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, Quintana, and then Michaelis. So it's definitely saying, like, I hope he's Quintana, you know what I mean? That type of a, a mold, but it's just a, it's good company to be in, but maybe it was, uh, you know, kind of a... Oh, uh, who was uh, I'm blanking on Phillies Ranger Suarez Ranger type Suarez, of thing where sure. it's like yeah, yes. how much can you bank on sure. the the soft contact and mm-hmm. everything? So, okay, well the next one that I, I wanted to look at, Steve, was Alec Manoa, um, and Manoa is is again of this mold that you can count on the volume. There's a wins total with toronto but the strikeouts aren't quite the same 196 innings 180 k's a 224 era a, n- a 0.99 whip now manoa was taken at pick 42 in our pitchless mock draft so the name value's there and this is you know with his age and his prospect pedigree it's one you got to pay up for so opening the floor uh curious on your thoughts here for uh, Manoa and and what you think on him?
2: Yeah, I don't know why Manoa doesn't get more strikeouts. Like he, all of his pitches have a whiff percentage. Like the lowest one is the sinker at sixteen point one percent, which that's good for a sinker uh, to have that much swing and miss. Um, his two other ones are above twenty percent. The slider up to thirty two percent. So he gets a lot of whiffs. It just they're they're all strikingly low put away percentages. So. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's like some strikeout upside, if there's like some sequencing or just like mm-hmm. some tweaking that he could do, um, you know, to, to get that K rate to go up. Because everything else, and, you know, you watch Manila and he's an ace. And last year, despite not having a strikeout per inning, I would still consider him a fantasy ace. Like he was that good. Um, yeah. But I, I think that you know, uh, if he could sort of pair the the, the lower walk rate that he had this year with even just 2021's strikeout rate of 27%, like that would bump Manoa into like, okay, now he's like being, you know, uh, on the question of being a, a top 10 pitcher. And if he's not drafted as like a top 20 pitcher, I know he has some name brand and, a lot of people like him, um, and, you know, it was a really low ERA uh, at 2.24. so I, I, I just think that th- there is some strikeout upside, and he could take that that next step, and if there is any bit of a discount, if, like, people look too much into that, that, the lower strikeout rate for an SP1, I think it's a great, great back end. Uh, buy as your SP one if there is any discount there, but there just might not be because the surface numbers were just so so good.
1: Yeah, the surface numbers uh, are gonna gonna have him, you know, up there. But I don't know if when when draft season settles, I, I am curious if he he will be going this high. Um, but that said, yeah, I mean everything you brought up, Steve, is like you know the the slider is really what had dropped the most as like a put away pitch from 21 to 22. So that this would be a good one to read like a deep dive, you know, on, on everything going on with Manoa. Um, but yeah, I mean, six foot six, the extension is great, which is why you can't put too much stock into the fact that like his fastball is only 94. I think that plays up quite a bit Absolutely. with his length and everything. Um, so I, I like it as a just a, the player himself I did put here. I'm curious, knowing that basically Fromber is going 60 picks later. I mean, what's the the argument there? Just that Manoa is going to take that step forward on strikeouts yeah, and be at I, least I, a strikeout per inning.
2: That's that's what you would tell yourself, yes. Okay. And just watching right. Manoa, like you know, he has the the, and it's probably biased, but. Yeah, you know, he's more of a the prototypical ace than like a ground ball master, right? Like he has the stuff to be
1: someone that strikes out at least someone once once an inning, like a nine K per nine, right? Yeah, the twenty six percent whiff rate on a, a fastball, like you know that. The the pitching experts always talk about the fact that if, if you have a good fastball, that's you know that's the, a hell of a way to start mm. on being an ace. And Manoa has a 26% rate on his fastball, and on Fromber's sinker, it's a 12% whiff rate. So case in point, that one is inducing contact, the other one is is getting whiff. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be a good one to to keep tabs on this season. But I think uh, maybe somewhere in between on trick or treat, it just sounds like we we do like Manoa. Yeah. Um, Steve, talk to me about Martin Perez. This is quite a drop on the draft board from Manoa, but uh, certainly great volume with 196 innings, 169 Ks. Another guy with a sub-3 ERA on the season at just 289. But, and it's a big but there, the whip of 126. This is like the, uh, the reverse Aaron Nola of, of low ERA and high whip, which causes some questions. <laughs> w- what are your thoughts on Perez?
2: Yeah, it's like he just kept up that first half from Boston uh, last year, and uh, you know I'm sure Nick's read up. It was a Vargas rule that kind of lasted the the whole year. Maybe we need an update uh, to to a Martin Perez rule, although he really didn't have that sort of major drop off that he had at least in 2021 with the Red Sox. When I think he was like left off playoff rosters, despite you know. Uh, his great first half and the the numbers showed yeah. it too. He finished with a four seven four ERA this year. He still held uh, kept an ERA under three, like you said. Uh, th- this one, it's like Tyler Anderson just <laughs> kind of worse for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, you know, Anderson has that elite walk rate. Uh, Perez isn't you know horrible, but he's more you know eight point four percent. That's close to league average. I think I'm buying like the 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 ERA indicators here, an xERA of 359, FIP of 327, xFIP of 380. Uh, this is more, sh- uh, you know, a good streamer slash Toby for me next year, back <laughs> end yeah. guy, and I, I think you can carry over a Vargas role and just sort of wait for the shoe to drop uh, uh, next year. Although Texas had had some success like with the, with these older veteran pitchers so hey maybe maybe there's that uh he is a free agent though uh this year so we'll we'll see where he ends up
1: yeah you took the words out of my mouth when you said he's the toby um because it does seem like that the the one weird thing about Perez is it it just seems like he always has a, a month you know where it's like yep. it just complete Showstopper and the and the K's will climb up sometimes. You know, uh, seven seven strikeouts in six innings versus the Red Sox this year, uh, seven and six innings against the the Mariners. So he he'll have a month where he's like four and zero oh with a with a one ERA. But it, it does seem like it happens early on in the season. So maybe just try to ride and, and stream that. But overall, yeah, I don't think we can expect anything close to a, a three ERA for someone with this. This profile and it just doesn't seem like he has, like you said, the control or, you know, it, it's it's not like a clear fly ball or ground ball pitcher. It just seems like there's been quite a bit of uh, good luck when you look at some of the x metrics next to everything. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, beyond just the the obvious that this one is a trick, at least on the stat line, um, if there's anything to add there. I mean, pitcher comps, Brad Keller. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like yeah,
2: that. <laughs> that sounds exactly like what, like what it is. Maybe maybe I'm missing something, but I don't think I'm gonna be too upset if I miss out on another Martín Pérez uh, yeah. year again if he repeats. So,
1: okay, let's end with a with a more exciting yeah, one. Yeah, I'm excited in about this name, Luis Severino, who was exciting last year. He was kind of in that uh, you know Cinder pack of like injured uh, former ace. Studs and what what would happen with him, and I think he's going to have some of those same types of question marks just because it's been weird. So he, he comes back from uh, TJ, then he has a, a a weird season after he gets some run with a, a lat strain, hits the sixty day IL, tough postseason outings, but overall I think the the glimpse we saw of Severino in a hundred innings was solid. The three eighteen ERA, the the one whip. And over a strikeout per inning, is, is probably enough that some of the velo looked really good, Steve. I think I think there's uh, there's reason for excitement here. I think this is much more just about like how far you turn the dial on on confidence.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing sort of holding Severino back was the fact that they just need to ease him into a hundred innings. I think that was probably their target. I know that there was an IL stint; he got put on the sixty day and didn't want to but i really think the yankees just had this number in mind and wanted to keep him around 100 and i don't blame him he you're looking at his you know year log on, on Fangraphs. it's like six innings eight innings in the playoffs 12 innings and then all you have to go back all the way to 2018 for when he had 191 uh and you know in 2017 he had 193 so really wow. heavy workloads then and all that injury you know but He was a Cy Young candidate uh, in in those years. So I really think it was just a matter of the Yankees just watching his innings. And now that he has 100 under his belt this year, I think it will be sort of all systems go next year. And like you said, everything under the hood looked really, really good A 27 percent, 28 percent strikeout rate, just 7.4 percent walk rate like. This looks like the Severino that we saw, maybe not in 2017 when like it looked like he could win the Si maybe you know I know 2018 was still really good, just a little bit toned down, but that was still like a top twenty pitcher and I think Severino like as long as the innings are there, and I think now he yeah, has shown that he could for hundred like uh, I don't see why not next year essentially
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be his age twenty nine season. I think we got to remind ourselves that you know he's not thirty five years old yeah. just because it seems like he's. It's been so long since he's been. You know, it's almost like a Corey Kluber type of thing of like the last time he was an ace. Mm-hmm. That said, you know this this price is a little bit. Um, you know, it's not nothing. He, he's one pitcher after Tyler Glass now you know a name that goes near him steve that we kind of like is like a tristan mckenzie um if if you had that side by side put you on the spot a little bit would you lean severino over mckenzie
2: oh i'll go severino there i know it's a tough one it's close but i'd go severino
1: yeah i think i agree and and um Again, I, the the velo is up there. It wasn't, like you said, like 2017 mm-hmm. years, but it's still excellent at like mm-hmm. 96 and yeah, change. Yeah, really
2: encouraging coming off all those injuries for sure.
1: Yeah, so he's using the, the change up more than he has in the past. It, it does get some whiffs. I think, um, yeah, th- this one is one that I'm definitely on board with. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see where his ADP lands. If we can get a little bit of a discount because there's so many good pitchers in that range, yeah. that would be amazing. But I think it's probably going to have to be around pick hunt, on, pick 100. Um, That's or, the good or, range. Or to Take pictures, like
2: though, you know, like that. If someone McKenzie goes, like I'm cool with with taking Severino and having a, a target there, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that rounds us out, Steve. I know it was uh, uh, kind of a lightning round on a lot of these names, yeah, it was a lot uh, but of fun. this is. Yeah, this is great. Uh, now you you off watching the uh, playoff baseball? Oh, tonight? yeah,
2: Phillies are already. Uh, they just look like the team of destiny, man. I think the World Series will probably be over next time we talk, but they're up four nothing. Harper homeward. It's just crazy how uh, it just seems like they can't lose right now. But it's been a great playoffs, and excited for these last few games in the World Series.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just uh, it's cool to see Harper having his yeah, moment. Yeah, for, sure,
2: uh, for sure, for sure.
1: I'm always down for a little uh, cheer against whoever's playing the Astros, (laughs) so you know that too. But it's, uh, yeah, this is great, man. I know uh, we'll be back on in a couple weeks. I think you and I might have our uh, Nick Pollock hot seat podcast. Yep, I'm doing in between that time.
2: My bowl predictions recap. So maybe we could do that as a uh, as a tentative next show topic. uh,
1: There, love it. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and talk about some different uh, different names there. So. All right, folks, that right. rounds us out for uh, episode 78. Thank you guys for tuning in. All off-season, you guys can email us, winsabovefantasy at gmail.com. I'm Van. You can find me on Twitter at Van underscore verified. And Steve is at Stav 8818. As always, guys, thanks for talking baseball with us and enjoy the World Series. Thanks for listening, guys. Later.